Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Ephesians. It is a great day to be alive. Amen. And if you're watching online, we're so glad you're joining us uh, for our morning worship here at the Cross. And uh, it's, it's been a tough week for us, guys, on a lot of fronts in regards to just our body uh, here. Um, my sister Lisa, I know yesterday she, uh, her and uh, her and Mike, they were down in South Georgia. They had the burial for her mom. My buddy Kenny, Kenny, you're probably watching online today. He buried his dad yesterday up in Hiawassee. Uh, one of our friends and brothers that attended our fellowship, he passed away. Greg Taylor on Friday night. I would ask you to keep Renee and that family in your prayers. But I can just tell you, it's been a very uh, tough week on many fronts. Chet, Lori, you may be watching us today. Uh, my buddy Chet is battling COVID right now. You know people. Uh, you've got family members and friends that have been battling this sickness. And so I, I would just encourage us as a body, let's continue to pray uh, for our brothers and our sisters and, and just people that we know, okay? Let's continue to keep our our hearts fixed on the Lord, but there's a lot of people that need intercession. And as I said a few weeks back, when I was knocked down so hard with that stuff, I got to a place where I knew as hard as I was trying, I really couldn't pray for myself. I mean, I could say some short prayers, but I needed intercession. And uh, we need intercession. We need other people praying for us when we're going through storms and when we're going through sickness. I, I talked to a friend of mine on Thursday out in Dallas. Godly dude, been with Athletes in Action, a sports ministry uh, for many years. And his 21-year-old son, uh, back in December, the day I got sick, December 13th, they found his son dead, OD'd, uh, in, in the bedroom. And I was talking to him on Thursday, and he says, brother, please, please continue to pray. We know the reason God is sustaining us right now is because we've got so many friends and brothers and sisters out there interceding. And he said, our concern is people are going to stop praying for us as time goes on. He said, we need prayer. And so we, we, we can't pray enough and we can't intercede enough. And I want to just spend a few moments before we dive into our teaching today, okay? So Father, thank you for this morning and thank you that you call us and you tell us, hey, hey, come to me if you're tired and beat up. You, you tell us to pray without ceasing. You, you tell us not to worry and, and to be flooded with anxiety, but in everything with prayer and supp supplication to make our requests known to you. And so right now in Jesus' name, Father, just as a body, I want to pause. And if you've got a friend, a loved one who's battling sickness or illness or whatever right now, maybe they're on the verge of a divorce or whatever is going on, intercede for those people right now. Just spend a few moments praying for those that are knocked down, that are going through difficulty. You, you may have some friends just battling addiction right now. And I would encourage you, even online, just, just intercede for those people right now. Write their names down and, and, and keep them in the forefront as you drive down the road, as, as you have solitude. Lord, we need you. And uh, Lord, prayer is a, is a beautiful thing. Lord, I believe the, the power of the Holy Spirit is released when the body comes together as one and seeks your face and seeks your heart. So, so Lord, I do. I lift up the families of so many, uh, Lord, that have gone through, Lord, just the heartbreak of seeing a loved one die. Lord, I can't imagine right now uh, just the pain that some of my friends are 
are experiencing. So help us to help us to love real and help us to pray sincerely and to really seek your face. Fathers, we dive into scripture and or just uh, your word and truth today. I do pray for illumination and revelation and inspiration. I pray that each of us would really just desire to hear from the Lord. And then we would desire to obey and uh, honor you. So we lift up our time now in Christ's name. Amen. So if you got your Bible, I would invite you to turn over to Ephesians 5. That's where I'm going to be. We'll get to uh, verse 7 here in a bit, and we'll be uh, 7 through 14. But here is a premise statement, and I want you to really wrap your mind around this. Here's a premise statement. Being in God's presence leads us to walking in freedom. It leads us to be able to walk in the freedom of the Lord, which leads us to walking in righteousness, holiness, and in purity. I've had people over the years say, hey, man, do you have victory in that area? Whatever the area of struggle uh, might be, I, I, I don't like using the word victory because victory implies that it's almost final. It's not final. It's a daily grind. And the fight we have and the battles that we face, uh, it's daily. So as I walk in the presence of the Lord and as I walk with Jesus every day, he allows me to experience his freedom, which gives me the power to overcome a lot of the dark areas of temptation, etc., that I may face. Now, here's something, Dave, we know, brother. We're at war. And if you're committed to living a life that's devoted to Jesus Christ, Satan wants to take you out, and he wants to disrupt your world ever how he can. And as we established last week out of 1 Peter, he says, the enemy roars around like a lion seeking just anyone to devour. And so he can take any of us out at any given uh, time if we're not careful, if we let the guard down. So this is going to be a very practical teaching for you today. And I'm going to give you a lot of practical things that you can actually implement and evaluate uh, that will allow you to walk in freedom and peace and the joy of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7. I want to read this, and then I want to break down a few thoughts uh, with you. Verse 7 says, do not partake. Do not partake in the things that lost people do. Once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only the light inside of us, the power of the Holy Spirit, what God has done inside of our hearts produces only what is good, what is right, and what is true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Do not partake in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, as you walk in the light, expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. For their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, I want you to see the warning right out of the gate. Do not partake, do not participate in that which is dark, sinful, and evil. If you study the Greek word for uh, the word partake there, it really means to partner with or to have close companionship with. He's like, you, you got to watch your playmates and your playgrounds and your play toys 
And you've got to watch who you're partnering with, who your companionship is with. Okay, so I, I would tell you over the years, and I've seen such great violation here, be careful who you marry. Be careful who your close friendships are. Be careful who you go into business with. Be careful who you partner with. It's absolutely crucial. As a Christ follower, we are partners with Jesus. We're yoked up with Jesus. When we come to faith in Christ, he says, hey, man, I want you to take my yoke and my teachings and my sayings. I, I want you to view me as your best friend, your, your greatest companion and ally. So our partnership and our companionship is with the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, with Christ. Now, verse 7. Verse 7 says, do not join the world in their false forms of love. That's what he's saying. The world has what they think is love. It's a false form of love. It's lust. Be careful. Watch what the world loves. He, he even tells us tells us in scripture, do not love the world or the things in the world for all that is in the world is of the enemy. The lust of the flesh, lust of eyes, uh, pride of life. He goes, make sure that you're not loving or even uh, uh, becoming a partner or a companion with any of that stuff. Verse eight, this is so crucial. You were darkness. He doesn't say you were in darkness. He goes, the very essence of your life before you met Christ was darkness. And again, he's speaking to the believers in Ephesus where, again, uh, debauchery, alcoholism, and sexual immorality uh, pretty much dominated and saturated that culture. But he goes, you were darkness. And what do we know about darkness? When I was dark, I was living a life that was void, futile, foolish, empty, I had no purpose. I had no direction. He goes, you remember that? You, you remember when you lived in darkness and you had no hope and you had no peace and you were void and you just lived like a fool? That's what darkness is. And when you see people, even today, that are conducting themselves that way, you go, man, they're alienated from Christ. They're separated from Christ. They don't have the light of Christ inside of them. And, and the one thing, I think right now, if the church and the redeemed of the Lord ever needed to be light, man, it's in our culture today. Because we're seeing so much darkness and we're seeing so much confusion and we're seeing so much division in so many areas. And God has brought light. And I've pondered this for years. He's brought light to my dark soul. He brought illumination. He rescued me out of the domain of darkness. He's transferred me into the kingdom of light. He's taken my feet out of this miry clay. He's established my feet on rock. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for the light. And this is the contrast he's making here. Light versus darkness. We were once darkness. Now we're light. We were once sinners. We're now saints. We were once strangers and alienated from the Lord. Now he calls us his friends and his servants. And I can promise you this. I can promise you this. The more you yield and walk with the Lord, here's what you'll conclude. Light and darkness do not mingle. Light and darkness do not mingle. You, you can't claim to be in light 
on Sunday and live like hell and darkness the rest you, you, they don't mingle you're either one or the other you're either light or you're darkness and he goes you were darkness but now you are based on your identity you're light you've got a new identity you've got a new purpose you've got a new mission the very essence of who you are has been radically transformed by the power of the gospel you're light and he doesn't say again, you were just in it. He says you were. So when you surrender to Christ, we become a new creation. The old is gone. And that's the reason I believe, even as Paul wrote to these believers, the first chapter is all, the first three chapters is all about our identity in Christ and really knowing who we are. Because for some of us, we grew up thinking that we're just jacked up, we're gonna stay jacked up based on the family we came out of. It was twisted, it was all perverted. It's just who I am. And a lot of us grew up thinking there were certain things we couldn't do and we had limitations in ceiling. But I can promise you this, when you meet the Lord, the radical transformation can happen and you'll be doing things you never thought possible because of the light and the brilliance of Christ inside of you. That is my story. It can all be changed. And, and Cunningham, here's what I think, brother. And here's what I think, Blake. Anybody in this, in this room right here experienced a major transformation from darkness to light? Come on, Dave. Anybody ever been just strung out on drugs, tripping like a, you can't imagine, and all of a sudden you experience the love of Christ? That's my story. I was dark. I was defeated. I, I was living a corrupt life. And then all of a sudden, I met Christ. And I'm light. That's what he says in verse 8. Hey, I want you to walk as children of light. He starts in chapter 4. I want you to walk in unity. I want you to walk in purity. I want you to walk in love. It's his favorite metaphor when you study the writings of Paul. I want you now to walk in light. When you walk in light and the light of Christ is inside of you, it produces a new kind of fruit. You start to look at goodness and righteousness and peace and joy and love. The stuff that leaks out of a person that is walking with Jesus yielded to light is totally different. The fruit that I used to produce as a lost, pagan, alienated, and separated it was a bunch of fleshly junk. But all of a sudden, I meet Jesus, and he goes, I'm going to bring about a new fruit. So the question has to be posed, how do, how do we walk as children of light? And if you look at verse 10, verse 10 kind of gives us the answer. How do I walk as a child of light? By discerning what pleases God, by knowing the will of God, by knowing what honors God, by knowing what brings glory to God. How do I walk in a manner pleasing of the gospel? Once I come to faith in Christ and I start to apply myself to the word of God and I allow the word of God to be applied to my life, he goes, hey, hey, hey. now you're starting to know what I'm for. Now you're starting to understand what I say stay away from. And so, Dave, as we get to know the Lord and hang with the Lord, he starts to illuminate us and show us how to walk in a manner pleasing with him. For years, I didn't know how to walk in a manner pleasing with the Lord. I had to learn. I had to grow. I had to experience the transformation. Now, what does light do? 
even just in a simple standpoint, right? You are light. You are walking in light. What does light do? Light reveals what is hidden. It does. It just reveals what is hidden. So when you start to walk with the Lord, and something Barb will say quite often is God hates secrets. You're trying to hide something. You're trying to cover something. So light in its purest sense, it, it exposes. Light helps us know where we are. I need light. Lord, your word is a lamp. It's a light. It, it illuminates my path. I, I need illumination every day. And so do you. It can help us stay away from danger. All of us are capable of walking down some twisted paths. Light in its purest sense, the light of Christ inside of me, protects me. Oh, I'm protected. When I walk in the light, as he is in the light, I can have fellowship with others. First John says that. But when I get off course, he's like, you're going to disturb fellowship with anybody else. You're hiding, you're covering, you're pretending, you're posing. It's not working. Another thing light does is it shows us what is ahead. Light kind of brings some clarity, uh, clarity to us, if you will. So I want to encourage you as we dive into this, I, I want to encourage you to kind of, kind of contemplate where you're at today. Are you really walking in light or are you flirting with a lot of things of darkness? You know as well as I do when you come home and it's late and all of a sudden you look at your house and you're like, it's dark and I've had this happen. It's like, man, the stinking light that operates the, the garage door thing that it didn't come on. It's blown. The first thing I want to do is grab my phone because I got a light on it. I'm like, man, I got to watch where I'm going because I've got this cat in the garage and I don't know if there's a dead rat or if it's vomited right in my path. I mean, that's Hannah, dad, 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 angel, there's, you got to come clean her up. And I'm like, no, y'all clean it up. I'm tired of cleaning up that stinking cat all the time. But you, you turn on a light, right? You ever walk into a dark house? You're like, man, I can't see a lick. And you're looking for a light switch. Because if you continue to walk into a dark room, into a dark house, you can't see walls. You can't see furniture. You can't see anything. But you know, hey, if I get to the light and flip some light on, light drives out darkness. It exposes. It reveals. It illuminates. It clarifies you got, many of y'all have kids. You know how it is. I mean, you wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, I got I to gotta go see what's wrong with this one. And you step on that stinking Lego. Right? And you're like, Jesus, if you don't help me, my language is about to turn south. Anybody got up in the middle of the night and you're out of it and you bang your stinking toe on the bed frame? And it's like, oh, we need light. And that's what we do. It's like, I need some illumination. I need to see what's going on because once the light goes on, things get revealed. Now, let me illustrate this for you. It's true. When my son Benji and our son Benji was about three years old, we were sitting down for dinner. And we were sitting down to eat and we had like chicken, some asparagus, some carrots and whatever, you name it. Our policy in our house is what's on the table you eat. This is what we got. Now, you know, back when they're three years old, you're still kind of helping cut up food and all this stuff. And it's like, hey, you're eating those carrots and you're eating that chicken. 
But dude, you're going to have to take two bites of this asparagus. I, I don't like asparagus. I don't want it. I, I, I didn't ask you if you liked it, and I didn't ask you if you wanted it, but this is what we are eating. I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. Well, dude, if you don't eat it, we're going to get kicked out of the garden. Kicked out of the garden. He's looking at me like I've lost my mind. I said, if you, if you don't eat it, we're getting kicked out of light. God wants you to honor. God wants you to, to obey what mom and dad are asking you to do. I, I don't like it. I'm like, well, come on. So I take his plate, grab a flashlight. We go down into the basement, into the storage room. There's no light. And I said, hey, dude, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not asking you whether you like it or whether you want it. I'm just asking you to eat two bites of this asparagus. Uh, and so it's dark. You can't see anything. And I'm like, just eat two bites and we can get back in the light. God wants us to hang out in the light. That's where mom and Rachel is and we can have fellowship. Let's, let's eat it. I'm scared. I don't like being down here. I'm, 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 I'm with you. I'm going to eat it. I'll eat it. Turn on the light. He looks at it. I'm not going to eat it. All right, so here's, here's the deal, dude. For real, for real, I'm going to slide a little further away from you because I've given you an opportunity. I just want you to eat two bites of the asparagus. He's screaming. He's yelling. He's mad. Okay, I'll eat it. I mean, we're down there for about 30 minutes. And he finally eats two bites. Turn on the light. We go back upstairs. And I said, look, look at me. Look, look at me. I care about your heart and character. And I care about you honoring God. You see, God's going to ask you to do stuff, son, one day that you don't like. Like, you're going to get to a place one day, and he's going to say, I've offered you salvation for your sin. And you're going to go, I like that. But somebody's going to rip you a new one, and God goes, I want you to forgive those who attack you and persecute you, and you're going to go, I, I, I don't like that. But God calls us to do it. And you're going to read passages where God says, man, I want to bless you, and I want to raise you up, and, and, and I want to give you a new inheritance, and you're going to go, man, I like that. But then he's going to say, I want you to live a generous heart, and I want you to give, and I want you to, to tithe plus and you may say, well, I don't like that. You see, for a lot of kids, and I've seen this, well, the only thing they will eat is, go ahead and tell me. Well, they won't eat anything but chicken nuggets, mac and cheese, and Cheerios. Really? Those kids of ours had broccoli and asparagus mini times for breakfast because if you don't eat what we eat your next meal is what you didn't eat and when you do eat what we eat then you can have oatmeal or whatever some people look at you like you're a child abuser and I look at those and say you mean to tell me that you created a mindset in your child that they could a la carte future with God. Well, I like that God, but I don't like that. And I like that. And there's so many people that come to the faith that start to dive through the scripture, that a la carte scripture. Well, I like this piece, but I'm not going to deal with that piece. 
And it creates such a fallacious walk with God. And I can promise you, if he walked on the platform today, he likes asparagus. And if you see him, he hasn't missed a meal. And I think those kind of patterns train people to say, you can't approach God just picking and choosing the things that you like based on what he said. Put, put that aside. Avoid that. Pursue this. Now, walk in the light. Honor God. Mimic God. Follow the example of Jesus. Now, here's the practical. And I'm transitioning to practical 101 this morning. And I want you to think through this. We've got about four or 500 copies that we've printed off front and back that I want you to take with you. My notes are online. You can access it. But I want you to go through this. And some of this is going to come on the screen for you. You've got to know your areas of darkness where you battle darkness. You've got to know your areas of weakness. You've got to know the areas where you can really become so depleted and numb to the spirit that the enemy will just annihilate you. All right, let's go through it. All right, this is practical. I've got 10 questions here, but I want you to think through this in your own life. If you had to answer these, where would you go? Are you physically exhausted and tired right now? Or do you feel somewhat energetic and strong? Now, when you go through this on a scale of like two to 10, if you had to circle a number, again, you're going to take one of these when you leave. If you're watching online, you can access these notes and print it out. Where would you be? Do you feel emotionally discouraged and down? Or do you feel encouraged and built up right now? How do you feel? Do you see yourself being in a place where you're just mentally bored and discontent? Or do you feel challenged? And is the contentment of the Lord inside of you right now? Do you see yourself as being spiritually depleted and empty? Or do you see yourself right now growing and maturing in the Lord? Do you see yourself geographically just being distant, isolated, and aloof? Or do you see yourself as being together, involved, connected? This is important. Do you see yourself being relationally just alienated and cold? Or do you see yourself being really close and warm with others? Inside right now, do you feel just internally hopeless, just sad, and you've been there? Or do you see yourself as being somewhat hopeful and joyful? Do you feel personally just like, man, I'm insecure, I feel inadequate, I'm unsure? Or do you feel like deep down inside, like the security and strength of the Lord is taking root in you and you can walk in the confidence of the Lord? Are you housing bitterness and anger and unforgiveness right now? Or do you feel like, no, I'm pretty accepting and forgiving of others? Do you feel deeply wounded and hurt and you haven't dealt with the wounds of betrayal, rejection, and pain? Or do you feel like, no, I'm loved and I'm appreciated? Because when you go through this, and I want you to take some time to do it, if you're 90 to 100, you're pretty strong. If you're 80 to 89, I'm doing pretty good. But once you start to fall into those 70s, be careful. The 60s, ah, you're in a dangerous place. And if you're in the 50s or below, 
you're in crisis mode. And what I know is the enemy wants to take us out. God is greater. Greater is he who lives inside of me than he who is in this world. God is greater than. And I've got to be leaning into the things of the Lord. So I want you to go through this because some people that stay in defeat and stay in darkness that even attend church, it's like you've got to evaluate and start to move toward health and healing, okay? So you've got to know your areas of weakness. You've got to know your areas of darkness. You've got to guard your heart. You've, you do. You've got to renew your mind every day. You've got to know the word. Now, here's where I would go. Here, here's another thing that we'll transition into that say you can break it down, Dean. I promise you. The word tempt and temptation, we know, is the devil's tool to lure us away from God. When we're being tempted, the enemy is enticing us to dishonor, disobey, and not follow the things of the Lord. Temptation in itself is not wrong. Yielding to the temptation is wrong. If temptation was wrong and it was sin, then when Jesus was tempted, we would say that, that was sin. It's not sin to be tempted. It's sin when I entertain, fantasize, and I act on it. So here, here, here's the next line of questions. There's seven of them. What types of sin are you tempted to commit the most? For some, it's lust, all under the sexual umbrella. For some, it could be alcohol. For some, it could be drugs. For some, it could be anger and bitterness. For some, it could be just living a life of resentment. What types of sin are you tempted? If we don't know our areas of variable temptation, then we're walking through life somewhat ignorant and blind. When Paul writes to the believers in Corinth, and in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, no temptation has taken you. No temptation will overtake you, but such is common to other men. God is faithful, and God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. But with every temptation, he will make a way of escape so that you can endure. You can endure it. So I've had people say, hey, I'm telling you right now, dude, I wouldn't go into, I wouldn't go into that restaurant over there. They serve alcohol. It's a pit. And what that guy is telling me, he shouldn't go into that restaurant because he's got major alcohol issues and he shouldn't be there. That might not be my temptation. But for the next guy that says, hey, man, you go down to the beach in July, you know, all that copper tone dripping, ain't nobody wearing clothes, brother. It ain't nothing but a lust pit. Then you, you better stay away from lust pits if that's something that takes you down. You've got to know your area of where you're more tempted or what you are more apt to pursue. For so many guys, it's, it's power, sex, and money. You, you've got to be careful. All right, here's a second question. How do you feel right before you commit that sin? Right before you give into it, you're playing mind games with yourself. There's something going on. You've already started to rationalize and justify why it's okay. There's lies that every person believes the moments right before they give in. I promise you there is. And I've had people tell me, well, man, this sin right here for me is just my thorn in the flesh. That's not, that's not true. 
As soon as I say that, then I empower it that I'm going to be stuck with it all my life. When Jesus died for sin, he died for sin. But I have to know, what is the area? What am I thinking right before I do it? Here's a third one. When? What day of the week are you tempted to sin the most? You go, seven. But for a lot of people, and especially for me when I was in college, I'm like, Friday and Saturday was brutal because I'm going to keg parties and I'm going to this party. and I'm, It was just bad. I mean, Monday wasn't as bad and Tuesday, but I'm like, whoo. And I had to recognize, even after I got saved, what days do you feel attacked the most and tempted the most? Here, here, here's the next question. What time of the day? What time of the day are you tempted the most? And it, it, Morning, lunch, afternoon, night, whenever. It's not a blanket statement. I dealt with a guy not long ago that had a porn addiction. His biggest, I mean, his, the, the time frame for him was in the morning when people would leave the house and he was by himself. I'm like, really? First thing in the morning? But the enemy is going to attack you 24-7. You've got to know this. Where are you when you're tempted to sin the most? Where are you when you're tempted to cave into darkness? Work? Home? You in your car or somebody else's house? Where are you? Man, this helped free me. I got to know where I'm at, who I'm with, what time of the day. If you want to get out of darkness and walk into light, you got to know this. Here's another huge one. Who am I with? Who am I with? I mean, I've got things like your spouse, your parents. You go, parents? I've had people in counseling sessions tell me that they, they did not want to go over to their parents because they were smoking dope and drinking. And these are people in their 20s. And I'm like, and them dudes came out of that 60s Woodstock Hendrix era, man, and they're still just stoned to the bone, man. I, I don't want to go hang out with mom and dad. They still smoke weed, dude. I'm like, then you're going to have to find a neutral place where you can meet with them if you still want to hang out with your parents. But there's so many things. Someone else's house? Are you at a computer? Who are you with? What are you doing? Here, here's a huge one right here. What does this sin give you that you really want? This is one of the most crucial questions in counseling when I work with people. What is that sin giving you that you really want? Because any person that continues to go back to the same vice or whatever, there is a payoff that they're getting. There is some type of payoff where they feel validated no matter what it is. And so whether it's the, I call it the sad issues, right? Your sex, alcohol, and drugs. There's validation, it's medication, it's sedation. Whatever it is, there's a payoff. And again, you've got to be willing to recognize these things if you're going to break the chains of darkness and move in to light. Now, I'm going to read you five chapters out of a book. You go, really? I'm like, yeah. I read this years ago. Portia Nelson wrote this. Five chapters on overcoming temptation and overcoming your pits of darkness. Chapter one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It's not my fault. It takes me forever to get out. Chapter two, 
I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I can't believe I'm in the same place. It's not my fault. It takes me a long time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's become a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. I get out immediately. It's my fault. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5. I walk down a different street. I'm telling you, you've got to recognize what shows, what internet sites, what things you've got to avoid, what gym, what club. If you're ever going to overcome it and start to walk in freedom and walk in the joy of the Lord, you've got to know. What people, what places? Because, Dean, what ends up happening, brother, is the more you, you get to where you really want to sincerely honor God, you go, oh, I can't walk down that street anymore. I know what's down that street. I, I, I know the payoffs on that street, but I know the payoffs on, those street, on that street is temporary pleasure, but long-term pain and alienation and disturbance in my soul. I can't walk down that street anymore. Come on. It's all practical. So for me, a lot of us willfully, we walk down certain streets and we keep the door open for the enemy to continue to attack. And I was thinking through this. It's like, we've got to stop. We, we've got to stop the insanity. Stop spending time with the wrong people. Sometimes you have to unplug. Second thing, stop running from your problems. Living in denial doesn't work. It never has worked. Stop holding on to your past. You can't move into the next chapter of your life if you keep rereading the last chapter of it. We've all jacked it up. Man, I have to believe I'm clean and forgiven. Stop being scared of making a mistake. You made money and then you all of a sudden didn't make money and you tried a business. That Take another risk. As long as you got breath, it's an opportunity to risk something. It's like, Lord, I want to trust you. I, I want to continue to chase after life. Stop looking to stuff for other people to make you happy. Man, that's a jacked up dead end road. It's like stop thinking you're never ready to surrender. You're not ever ready to surrender. Even when you, th I'm going to surrender. You might be 50% there. Just surrender, Lord. Just keep pressing in. It's like, man, I, I got to have it. Stop being jealous of other people. You want to talk about a thing that will rob the peace and presence of the Lord in your life? Stop complaining and feeling sorry for yourself. Man, there's so many woe is me stories. I'm like, stop. Change your perspective. Fix your eyes above. Let's chase after life. Here's another one where people just stay stuck. Stop holding grudges. The reason your life is miserable is not everybody else. You're empowering a bunch of junk. You shouldn't. Stop acting like everything's fine. 
fine. No, life ain't fine. We live in a fallen world. Life sucks at times, guys. Sorry. Stop, stop. How you doing? President of the Lord, it's been a tough day. Cool. I can handle that. Just tell the truth. Stop blaming others. Stop worrying so much. If we would stop empowering the enemy and start like writing down three, four, five things in the morning that we're thankful for and writing out prayers of gratitude and praising God, it would change our life. We would be hopeful people. And the world, as I said, if the world ever needed to see the redeemed of the Lord and the church be light, man, it's now. It's right now. And so I would tell you, here, here's, here's some things that radically changed me. I had to learn to develop some holy habits. I did. I studied First and Second Timothy a lot. But when Paul writes to Timothy, he goes, hey, 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 First Timothy 4, hey, discipline yourself to be godly. I had to learn discipline. And then I had to learn to be diligent. He goes, hey, be diligent before the Lord. Study to show yourself as a workman, not a shame. You can handle the word. Be diligent. It was discipline. It was diligence. And then it was devotion. 2 Timothy 2.22, I memorized this years ago. And, and I titled this one right here, Run From, Run To, Run With, Flee, Youthful Lust. Run from that. Run to, pursue faith, righteousness, hope, and love. Ah. And then the third part is run with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. And I'm running every day. I'm running every day, but I want to make sure I'm running from the things that can take me down. I'm running to the things that glorify God. And I'm running with those that desire to glorify God in their lives. You've got to develop holy habits. I'm, I'm going to give you six, then close. And again, it's right here on this piece of paper, and you got to go through it, okay? So as you think about holy habits, scoring them zero to five, whatever you want to do, okay? Scripture. How much time do you spend reading, pondering, meditating, studying, memorizing Scripture? On a scale from zero to five, like zero means never, five means no, man, I'm pretty consistent in daily. How about communion with the Lord? I'm talking about prayer time, personal worship. Not driving down, I'm, I'm talking about just in your home, in your prayer closet. How much time do you spend in communion? Ah, Got to listen to worship, man. I just want to praise the Lord. I want to spend some time in prayer, petition, and praise. Third, dependence. How, how would you score your dependence in yielding to the Lord. And the real indicator is where my stress level is even in my life right now. Because I can promise you, if you're living a life of worry, anxiety, negativity, and you're, you're constantly panicking, ah, man, that dependence on the Lord, you're depending on yourself, you're depending on something else. But I can promise you when the peace and the joy of the Lord and contentment kick in, that is an indicator of my dependence, okay? The next one would be sanctification. Sanctification is part of the continual confession and cleansing before the Lord. It's all about repentance and, all right, am I staying clean? 
because God's called us to live sanctified lives. And we teach progressive sanctification, which means we're continually progressing with the Lord toward deeper sanctification. These are holy habits. Uh, uh, five, what type of accountability and fellowship and com- connectivity am, am I having with other like legit Christ followers? I look at that because if, if you're isolating and not connecting, that's an indicator. Am I serving? Am I giving? A- am I making a healthy contribution to the whole? So, so here's my close. I would, I would highly encourage you, hey, your light used to be darkness, used to be jacked up, but now you're redeemed. Try to spend at least 30 minutes a day in these holy habits I'm talking about. Set aside time. Hey, I want to spend some time just practicing the presence and hanging out with Jesus. At least 30 minutes a day. Here's another thing I would tell you. When you're tempted, run to the throne and pray. Start praying scripture. Pray the armor of God over you. Pray. I'm going to run to the throne, but I'm going I'm I'm to start claiming scripture over my life. When I'm tempted and the enemy's coming at me, hey, I'm going to tell my wife, my accountability partner, my mentor, hey, Satan's trying to eat my lunch. And we practice that so well with our recovery ministry. Hey, call your, call your sponsor. Hey, reach out to somebody when the enemy's coming against you. And, and the one thing you've got to do is to stay honest and open. I have people all the time look at me and go, brother, I'm being honest. I know, but you're not open for God-style change in your life. You can be honest and not be open. We have to be honest. Hey, hey, I want to I be sanctified and pure before the Lord. You are light. That's who you are. And this is the most practical thing I can give you in regards to him saying, hey, imitate God. Mimic God, follow the example of Christ, avoid sexual immorality, impurity, greed, and all this. Watch your mouth. Hey, follow God, your light. If I'm going to walk in the light, I've got to understand my areas of where I know the enemy has come against me or I'm more vulnerable. And if you do that, then you can press in and you go, praise God, there's hope. Praise God, there's healing. Praise God, there's freedom. Oh, I never had this before. And I've walked, I have walked this trail with many guys over the years going, hey, you got to identify it. And once you do, then you sanctify yourself to the Lord. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, We hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. But we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.